Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Okay, what do you want to lead with here today, David? There's a ton of stuff going on. Well, this one was just coming over the transom right before coming on the air. Uh, But CBS News is now reporting that the FBI searched the Penn Biden Center, that think tank, in mid-November. What? So the FBI searched the Penn Biden Center offices in mid-November, according to two sources familiar with the investigation, after lawyers for President Biden had found about 10 documents marked as classified there on November 2nd. These are the classified documents from the time he was vice president. Yes. Now, we don't know if the FBI found any additional classified or presidential material during this sweep, but yes, the FBI was involved in this which I was told the difference between the Biden documents and the Trump documents was that Biden did everything by the book and was cooperative, but apparently he wasn't because the feds got involved. Hmm. Okay, I wonder if Karine Jean-Pierre is going to go out there and try to answer questions mm-hmm. to that today. Right. Now, they say that the search was conducted, uh, well, Mr. Biden did not require them to have a search warrant in order to do this. Okay. So, again, you can go back and say, oh, up front, honest, hey, yeah. nothing to see here as far as the president goes. Except that narrative's not true. That's been blown out of the water. Right. Can I just tell you right now how the Jean-Claude Pierre Van Damme Presser's going to go today? Sure. You'll have to ask the Justice Department. Yeah. If she was smart, that's what she'd do, yes. Yes. Of course that's what she'll do. That's what she always does, every day. Well, for a while, dude, she just kept trying to meander through it. Like, sort of answering, but not really. Now we've just gone to deflect to the Justice Department. And that's the right call, absolutely, to just do that if you're speaking on behalf of the Right, just over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they went there. Did, Did the FBI go to... The Corvette garage that we don't know of? Well, eventually, yes. Hmm. Okay. So more on that coming up. Can I ask you what you do at a think tank? What do you do every day when you go to work? You think about things. And write them down? Well, it's like it's like Winnie the Pooh's thinking spot, right? He finds okay. a good log, and he sits down, and he goes, think, 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 think. <laughs> it's like when you get home from work. Honey, what'd you do today? Mm, sat around a table and thought. Yeah. They make money doing it. That's a good gig, man. Yeah, not bad. Um... So our solutions are working at the border? Are you joking? Yeah. Yeah, the head of Homeland Security is telling governors to quit whining about the border crisis. So Alejandro Mayorkas <laughs> was in Florida yesterday to talk about this expanded parole system for migrants, which is really just an open borders policy, as we've talked about. Um, the scheme is to just allow people to come in. As long as they tell the federal government that they're coming, then they can come in and work legally for two years under a parole system. So, you know, naturally, it's making the stat sheet look better because they're not counted as illegal border crosses, uh, crossers, I should say. So 20 states, led by Texas, are suing the federal government, saying, hey, you're not actually solving the problem. You're just moving labels around. We still have to deal with providing services to record numbers of people coming in. 
So, okay. So what are we supposed to do? Well, Alejandro Mayorkas says, stop complaining. This is working. It is still early, but we've seen an almost 90% drop. Why these states would oppose an enforcement uh, program that is proving successful is beyond my comprehension. It is remarkable to me that states will attack a solution to the problem about which they complain. Beyond your comprehension, as we watched people cross the border every day, hundreds, sometimes thousands, Um, and you're saying that the border is secure. But this is beyond your comprehension. You have no comprehension. (laughs) In a right and just world, you would have been fired after like the first month. But we all know this is by design. And the dopes that watch the Today Show or Good Morning America for their news or get it from MSNBC will just keep believing every lie you throw out there. Gosh dang, man. Ask Eric Adams right now if it's working. Right. But you know what he's frustrated by in New York City? Yeah. You've got activists there trying to encourage the people to stay in the hotel. Well, of course. We talked about it yesterday, the yeah, $500 a night hotel. Yeah. Heck no, they won't go. A bunch of dudes. Yeah. Single dudes. No, we're not leaving. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, is that that hotel in question is still going to be open up to people who are quote-unquote asylum seekers, but they're just trying to move women and children in there, basically, fa- intact family units to go in there, and they're telling the single dudes, hey, you got to go to the place with the cots. And they're saying, right. no, man, the cot place doesn't have HBO. So Eric Adams goes there to say, hey, see, it's really nice. And they're showing the bathrooms, which are honestly really nice. Hot showers. Do you see the meals they get? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eggs, hash browns, oatmeal. I mean, three nutritious meals a day. They got fruits. They got veggies. He went there playing ping pong with people. I'm not even joking. Did you see the video of it? (laughs) Yes. And then he's trying to say, hey, these activists are trying to keep people here. This has got to stop. It doesn't matter if it's Ellis Island or the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal or it's any of our ports. Uh, it is all rooted in an American dream. I just had to come here when I started hearing all the rumors about it was too cold. Uh, <laughs> my brother got on shorts. He's inside. <laughs> it's warm inside. He's standing next to a guy who got shorts on. See, yeah. it's fine. and It's not too cold. Uh, about uh, the food not being there. Uh, you know, healthy food is presence. Even the snacks are healthy. We yeah. just need to stop the anxiety. Yeah, stop it with you activists. It's nice here. And honestly, it is. Yeah, yeah. I still think, you know, can you imagine like the Clark W. Griswold family that lives in a suburb of Chicago booking their vacation in New York in that hotel? <laughs> <laughs> and they show up in the lobby. It's migrant vacation. I like right. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other part, man, I've brought this up to you guys before. You're 23. You're a single guy from wherever guatemala you're with your buddies you're like hey man you see what's going on in the united states we can get up through there now if we can get either a bus ride to new york wherever and they're going to put us up what's the worst thing that can happen we party hard three four weeks have the time of our lives have stories to tell the rest of our lives what we get deported so what have we lost anything right. why wouldn't you right no you would there's of no deterrent would. <laughs> right Get the Keith Moon room. <laughs> Chuck TVs out the window while you're there. It's just crazy, man. Meanwhile, it, Joe Biden is still lying about the same thing. Are you joking? Yeah, Joe Biden told his stupid Amtrak story again. 
The one no. that's not true, where he claims this Amtrak worker told him he'd ridden the rails a million, a million miles or something, and then someone did some digging and said, oh, wait, but that guy who was the conductor that you say you talked to, he retired like 20 years ago. <laughs> that didn't happen. But he tried to go down that route again. Okay. When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two, and I was uh, going home as a United States uh, as vice president, one of the conductors said to me, hey, Joe, big deal, a million, whatever, 200, you said, you've, oh, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. I said, how the hell do you know that? And they added it up. There. But folks, look, I made a thousand trips through this tunnel. <laughs> okay. Well, they also said they let him <laughs> go into the it. conductor's car. Yeah, he had a key. He had a key to get in. He could get in whenever he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's one guy I want operating a train, it's Joe Biden. <laughs> That's it's crazy. I had a key. <laughs> How many lies does this guy go with? It never ends, no, it man. Really doesn't end, man. They let they let him sit up there with a little engineering hat on. They gave him. <laughs> well, you know what, man? It makes perfect sense because I think one of the best descriptions of Joe Biden trying to tell a story came from Scott Robbins, which is he sounds like a toddler that you're on the phone with. Yes, who's like narrating whatever it is that they see. They're telling you about things, and you're not sure if it happened in real life or if it happened in a cartoon or whatever. Yeah, you don't really understand what they're saying. So it does make sense if you think of. Joe Biden as an elderly toddler that he would be very excited. They probably didn't even give him a real key. They just gave him like this big plastic key that says Amtrak on it and he's like, yay! <laughs> like those pilot wings they, that the airlines used to give out to little kids. See. There's a guy that worked in the Amtrak uh, part part of their uh, their their press whatever the credentials or whatever the the area of Amtrak for like 20 years he said we never did that with anybody nobody ever got to sit with these guys <laughs> while they're driving the train never happened well and then he went to go get coffee at the little kitchen there on the train yeah. but there was a fire in the kitchen <laughs> lucky to be alive <laughs> he just put all his lies together into one big one <laughs> they put it out and drove the train <laughs> right he did of he course he did drove the train but then wound up being able to get out of the train and stop it single-handedly like superman only because he had a key. Right. Only- <laughs> <laughs> whole thing is nuts. And the history books will note it. No one. Not, not, not. The history books will note it. Of course. That's our president. Oh. You kidding me? Is governor. Yeah. Pre-K. And if you can't get the story together, just stop. Just quit. Okay. We do have a day that is going to end the COVID emergency. Okay, you want to bet on what day it is? It's all coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Now, Jamie Markley, Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the millennial, and the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. I'm going to, we're going to impose the, we're going to enforce the, excuse me, employ, uh, reconstruct the act. Yeah, COVID. That, we're, yeah. we're on it. Yeah. What, what is going, what is going on with this arbitrary date they pulled out of their rectums? Yeah, the Associated Press is reporting that Joe Biden's going to end the COVID emergency on May 11th. Cause May 11th. What's going to change between and, now and May 11th? Oh, it's science. Well, see, I, I, you wouldn't understand. 
this is when he's going to make the announcement, he's going to run again. Yeah. That's what this is. Why are you yelling? I just, <laughs> this the whole cloak and dagger nonsense. <laughs> Wait, look at me. I ended the COVID. Vote for me again. Well, you think about it, too. I, I think, yes, you have the political consideration, but also that's a fairly safe date because it's towards the end of the school year anyway. Yeah. That's so true. you don't have to risk running afoul of the teachers' unions who may want to yeah. keep this thing going. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's going on. Gosh, dang. Didn't he declare it gone like months ago on 60 Minutes? Mm-hmm. That was at the car show. Yeah, didn't Michigan. he say at the time? Hey, yeah, look, yeah, hey, boy, hey. yeah, but he got out in front of who was really running the country, and that's the people behind him. Oh, got it. The Ron Claims of the world. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. We we need to use this for political advantage. You can't say that, Joe. This grift isn't over yet. No. No. Absolutely not. Um, Just an update. I think you've probably heard this by now, but in case you hadn't, if you have five black officers that beat a black man pretty much to death, that's still white supremacy. Just so you know. That's what we've heard. Um, Yes. Another montage was put together of media outlets pushing that narrative, if you're interested. It's uh, quite entertaining. But I think a race is still on the table uh, when a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist. That is part of the training? <laughs> Could, did you find? I, I've, did you figure that from Eric Adams? Trying to follow what he just said. It's hard to shoehorn this one in. Boy, it really is. But you got to put forth the effort. That was very circular. Yeah, everything okay. has to All be right. through the lens of race. You know that. That is part of the training that these officers receive, that black and brown equals danger. This comes at a time when the government... Okay, sorry, David. I should have gave you a little trigger right. warning on this one. What? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Honestly, what the... <laughs> no, I agree. It, ha- it doesn't have to be rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. You just have to go on legacy media or CNN or MSNBC and make the dopes that watch believe. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what they're trying to do. This comes at a time when the governor of Florida says no African-American AP Aww. classes, when we have demagoguery around critical race theory. So it is. You like but, that one? But I thought critical race theory wasn't taught in school. No. Well, the narrative so changes all the time. I don't. I don't. Yeah, why is that a problem it, if it doesn't it, exist? And with, with the African-Americans AP course, African-American study, uh, studies, yes. you know how many schools, I've mentioned it a few times, 60 schools are taking part, 60 out of the entire country are taking part in this pilot program. Yes. And, and, and suddenly this is like this war on black people and so it's Ron DeSantis' fault? Yes, that's scare some, the crap out of people. That, that thugs with badges beat a guy to death in Memphis? Seriously? Correct. Yes. It goes on. So it is nonsense that black and brown officers have not been part of the problem of systemic racism and policing. <laughs> then what's the point in diversity hiring? Yes. Oh, you know what? what? I'm going I'm to stop it right there because you mentioned this yesterday. And I happen to hear Larry Elder who is, of course, a white supremacist, while being a black man yes, is quite a trick. Yeah. Uh, he was talking with Megyn Kelly, and I was laughing listening to this going, you know, that was exactly Van Camp's point. Um, as, as, as far as what you just said. So this is about structural racism that the police target communities of color. Hold the phone. If it doesn't matter what race the cop is, 
if a cop does something bad, it's still racial, then why in the world, Megan, are we out trying to diversify a police force? Why do we have lines like one a police force that looks like the community? Apparently, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was on fire, man. He was wound up. He he brought stats with him. Uh, you know, the part. Well, and and the cops are taught black and brown people. They pose a danger. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then they go into those neighborhoods. It's part of white supremacy. And Larry Elder said, well, unfortunately, communities of color is where the crime is. And isn't that where you want the police officers? At 13 percent of the population, blacks commit almost half of the homicides in this country. Almost all of the victims are also black. Uh, in the 75 largest counties in America by population, blacks account for 60 percent of the shootings and 60 percent of the robberies. That's why the cops are there. You want them to deploy their finite resources to West Palm Beach, to Beverly Hills, to Malibu. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you can put them there if you want to. Yeah. But then what's going to happen? No one cares about these neighborhoods and the crime that's going on. No one wants to help. They've been left behind. I just feel like I live in some alternative universe sometimes. No, you don't. They do. Yes. Yeah. And they're so trying they to make reason. other people believe. Yeah. It. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg's talking about we need a couple of white guys to get beat. It, when that happens, people get that'll we, get their attention. It does happen. Of it course, do, it Larry Elder brought that up too. It happens. Yes. <laughs> By the way, switching gears here. This would have been good information to know, maybe years ago, at least for a few of us that were in middle management. But if you find yourself there now and you have a say of when meetings happen, this is a life hack, David. And I know you're against the term life hack. Yeah. But I think you'll like this if you're ever in that situation again. Of course, I don't think you would be. (laughs) You'd rather sell shoes. Something terrible would have to happen. (laughs) You schedule all the meetings you hate on Monday. Because that way you get to cancel a lot more of them. Because there's three federal holidays that happen on Monday. Uh Plus, you've got Juneteenth, Columbus Day, uh, Christmas Day, I think, is on a Tuesday. So most people will be off on that Monday. What you're basically planning out is if I schedule them all on Monday, that's the day I can cancel a lot of them and don't even have to send out a cancellation. Well, obviously, we won't be in the office, so we don't have to have that meeting that week. That's awesome. Good idea. About that. You know, here to help. Okay, David, you've got the story. Devout Catholic Joe Biden claims the Pope supports taxpayer-funded abortions. This is a beauty. Yeah. Straight ahead right here. Robert Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David. About Catholic Joe Biden said what? Oh, uh, well, uh, let me let me start here. Catholic bishops here in the U.S. are urging the government to permanently ban the use of taxpayer dollars for abortion. There's a new bill that would do just that, and they are urging. Uh, senators and representatives to pass this bill. But devout Catholic Joe Biden says bishops aren't doing that. He was asked about it, and uh, he even said uh, apparently that the Pope uh, is somewhat in favor of taxpayer-funded abortions. No, they are not all doing that. Nor is the Pope doing that. 
Yeah, they what? are not all doing that, nor is the Pope doing that, meaning supporting a bill that would ban taxpayer dollars going towards uh, uh, abortion. Uh, Pope Francis has compared having an abortion to hiring a hitman to eliminate a problematic person. Pretty sure he's not on board with taxpayer-funded abortion. No. See, but he never specifically said taxpayer funded. Right. Yeah. I know that. I mean, you work work your way around that with semantics here. Anytime the Pope says anything that could be twisted in a certain way, man, our media jumps all over that. I forget what year it was, David. I remember. I think Scott was in the hospital with his heart attacks. Yeah. And you had Huffington Post, all these different left-leaning outlets. The Pope is cool with gay marriage. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Look, the watershed moment. And I'm like, holy smokes, really? And then I read exactly what he said. I'm like, he didn't say that. Think they took when he was saying, who am I to judge? Talking about I need to look at myself. But he never said, yes, I'm down with gay marriage. Well, right. It just happened in the last couple of weeks. He said that. Uh, you know, he urged governments to not make homosexuality a crime. He said, no, that, that you shouldn't d- criminalize it. But he also says it's a sin. The church still sees it as a sin. But people still ah! took it to mean, well, he endorsed gay marriage and, and being gay. Well, no, the Pope really didn't do that. No. But they're always going in that direction. You see it all the time. All right, it's that time of the show. We do this every day about this time. Looking around at all the stories out there, and it might not be the biggest, but it got your attention. Today, David, what's your story? Oh, boy. This this one really got my attention today. An author named Alexandra Collier, writing in the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, talks about the struggles of being a single mother. Now, she's a single mother by choice, but she's really mad that her neighbor doesn't help her bring in groceries. What? Okay. What? Listen to this. As I haul multiple shopping bags from my boot meaning the trunk of her car. Mm -hmm. Uh, While my toddler skitters between parked cars, my neighbor nods hello from his back porch while ashing his cigarette. Each week, despite knowing that I am a solo mother by choice with a donor-conceived son and no partner at home, my neighbor watches me teeter inside a leaning tower of motherhood with hefty bags and and a yelling child attached to my shins. I smile brightly and say hello, but my mind is a static of expletives. Why doesn't he offer to bleeping help? My neighbor because would know. he doesn't have to, right? I mean, that's kind I'm of. I'm not the saying that's a good guy, but you're mad at him for it. Yeah, uh, and then she says that she's part of a, of, of a movement that's trying to reclaim a village model of parenting. The goal of a oh, single no. parent is not to raise our children alone. The goal is to consciously create a village in which we and our children will thrive. You know what that's called? A family. <laughs> I mean, look, I, no. not, nothing against somebody who finds themselves, uh, you know, say a single parent. I mean, that's that's tough. But you really can't complain about society not doing enough when you actively make the choice to have a baby alone. You know, here's another thing. How does this guy know that by helping her, he's not offending her? Right. I mean, th- this right. I mean, th- this you hear this all the time. I don't need your help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could just as easily picture a woman like this writing an article about how insulting it was. Yes. that somebody offered to help. What do you mean? You don't think I can do it? Yeah, all he wanted to do was leer at her. Has some sexual object while he was helping me with my, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, it sounds like some of the women that post the videos from them at the gym. Some yeah, guy comes yeah. over, do you want me to help? What? No. What does he think I need any help? Mr. Man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I might sit on the porch and smoke, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going to be honest, Scott, if you're the guy, let's go back eight years before your heart attacks oh. when you were still smoking. Okay, if that's you, if she's attractive, you're helping. If she's not, you ain't. Well, at least I'm going to ask anyway, right? Need <laughs> some help with that? I think that's the deal. Yeah. But that's the part, David, that you bring up when uh, she says she's a single mom with a donor. I mean, so obviously the attitude was, I don't need a man. Yeah. Right? I can do this. But now you're griping because someone doesn't help you with the groceries? Yeah. Boy, the lack of self-awareness there. And that whole takes a village thing, it reminds me of Hillary freaking Clinton. Just be a good parent. Right. It helps to be around other good people, but you kind of choose that a little bit to a degree. Yeah. What's your story today, Scott? Uh, Saturday night, the Major League Baseball Award dinner happened. Receiving the awards at the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, one set of awards, though, featured a critical spelling error. Last year's Cy Young Award winners, Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander, posed for photos with their award plaques, allowing fans to get a really close look at the hardware they were holding. As a result, many people noticed the word valuable was misspelled in the award. No. Both players are missing the second N in the word. Now, the most valuable player awards, not attached to the Cy Young, had no spelling errors in them. Wow. You had one job. <laughs> one job. Does it say how they spelled it? The one N was missing. Wow. Okay. Way to work that baseball story in. Good job. Well, I can't even imagine that. I know. That is pretty crazy. You go pick him up for the engraver. You look at it and go, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a bowling trophy, you know? I mean. Yeah, that's true. So, come on, man. Um, For my story today. I heard Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins talking to Daily Wire, and this was about the Project Veritas um, undercover video of the supposed Pfizer, you know, one of the bigwigs, whatever, talking about how we're doing basically this gain of function. And so I look at Marty McCary, at least to me, as a voice of reason. As we've talked about many times, you don't know who to trust with any of this stuff. I'm trying to think, has he ever been wrong, like flat out, just way out there? Yeah, that's a great question, because I don't think he has. Seems like it's been pretty consistent. Yeah. And so the question was, you know, does this worry you? You know, if this is true, what this Pfizer guy was saying with his goofy laugh, <laughs> that guy. And this is what he said. I was not concerned by the Pfizer executives' comments on that video because most of what happens with viruses and vaccine development is on a computer screen. That is, it's not actually old-fashioned chemistry where you're pouring substances and virus particles in a laboratory. You're trying to figure out what the shape is of a spike protein on a future variant of the COVID virus. And that's done on computer simulators. Okay. Well, I didn't know. That. That's good to know. Yeah. Right. It's not like the Wuhan lab. Right. And then for sort of a nuanced answer to, you know, what about these mRNA vaccines? Do you think they're safe? He's been pretty reasonable on this. Mm -hmm. And this is what he said. 
I think the COVID vaccines are relatively safe, but we are seeing a complication rate. Something we call a category of severe adverse events occur somewhere between one in 800 vaccine administrations according to the Freeman study that came out in September in the U.S., and one in 5,000 vaccine administrations, which is what the German study showed. By the way, I can't remember if he says this or not. That's been enough to shut down vaccines in the past, just that number. But he goes on. So that is relatively high when you're talking about a virus that poses no substantial risk of death to a young, healthy individual. And we also know that myocarditis may be occurring subclinically. That, it, that means in 2 or 3% of, of people, according to one study, they may have a low level of heart injury and myocarditis, but they feel fine and they don't notice anything. So I would say for a young, healthy person, it does not make sense to go down this path. Yeah. Remember when they tried to cancel Joe Rogan for saying that? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, if I was young, I don't think I'd get it. Oh my God, he wants to kill people. He turned out to be right. Yeah. So are you with me on that? That that dude seems pretty straight. Yeah. yeah I mean, I yes. Okay. He hasn't been on. I mean, there's been no off the deep end stuff unless you're listening to the screechers well, on the left. Well, I think it's I think it's uh, uh, nice to hear somebody who sounds reasonable yeah, about I concerns agree. and about assessing risk levels. You know, yeah, somebody out there saying, "Oh my gosh, there's thousands of people dropping dead because of the vaccine," but he's also not like, "Well, uh, it doesn't exist." The side of right, because I think that tends to, that's more in line with what reality is. There, it does carry some level of risk, and for a young, healthy person, uh, not a lot of benefit really if you can still get COVID. No. Yep. Okay, so that's our story. I saw this. Tell me if you believe this. This is a completely different story, different stats. That the average American will spend $193 on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it sounds reasonable, I guess. Really? I don't know. Well, you got to figure dinner for two out to a decent restaurant is going to set you back yeah. you know, 80, 90 bucks anyway, right? Easy. Yeah. yeah, if not more. And you get a card on top of that or flowers on top of that. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. But that means there's two different people in that couple spending that amount. The other person spending the same amount? Well. That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's not I, just like. I just looked at it from a male perspective, I guess. Right. I'm saying yeah. that's the average for everybody. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. I, uh, I suppose if, you know, you got a ton of dough and you're going to drop, like, I don't know, money on a weekend or a spa experience or something like that, and it takes it up to seven, 800 bucks. That takes the whole average up. And I don't feel like I've been mistreated, but I don't know that $193 has ever been spent on me for Valentine's Day in my life. I don't even know if you added up 10 years' worth. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'd be grateful or pissed. <laughs> I guess it just depends on who the primary earner is in the household. <laughs> yeah, I would assume, right. yes. Right. Like, hey, really? I didn't want that. Oh, come on. What? <laughs> I don't need heart-shaped boxers. <laughs> anyway. Uh... Hard drugs legal somewhere starting today. Get to that and much more coming up right here.
the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robin. You know, I look up the news monitor, and it is one of those things that you shake your head and you wonder, is this reality? People here illegally refuse to leave New York City Hotel. Yeah. Refuse? Uh, not leaving. Nope. <laughs> this is our You should too. be arrested you can't and deported. Me. Yeah, but Do you understand? You're freaking here illegally. But these are these are the poor and huddled masses just <laughs> looking for a, a better life. And how dare you try to take them from one hotel to another location where all their needs are met? How dare you do that? It's inhumane. Well, they're only on season three of Cobra Kai. I, I know. They got to watch the rest of it on their Netflix. And their <laughs> do you know how inhumane it would be to not to provide Netflix? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we actually had, you had a clip of some yeah. knucklehead yeah. on a liberal media outlet saying it was inhumane to ask yeah. them to leave. It was right. one of the activists who's there protesting because the city of New York wants to move these single male migrants out of this hotel and put them into a pretty nice shelter. Uh, because they want to be able to provide those rooms for mothers and children. But these single dudes won't leave. And we're told by the activist class that's there saying, cancel rent and rah, rah, rah. Like, this is inhumane to put them in this place where they get three nutritious meals a day and... And bedding and nice showers and it's inhumane. Gosh, <laughs> these women out there protesting got to be frustrated from lack of sex or something because with the way they talk, there's no one that has options that goes there. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm the, saying the quiet part out loud. You know yeah, what you're thinking. I mean, yeah, you got a bunch of you got a bunch of young single migrants with with nothing else to do, and that, this is like the uh, white liberal cat lady version of Fleetwood, yes. isn't it? <laughs> it sure seems like it. Uh, Meanwhile, Vancouver, Canada today, hard drugs are legal. Oh, there you go. Wow. Yes, trial basis is what they're calling it. Mm -hmm. Three years. Try, trial. Yeah. What do you think the outcome's going to be? Listen to this. I mean, is there going to is it going to change the financial post? And then, dopey outlet that puts this out. Listen to how this is worded. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, for three years, they won't arrest people caught with small amounts of illicit drugs, up to two and a half grams. In 2026, they'll decide if it worked or not. <laughs> okay. Anyone caught with two and a half grams or less, has the option to get treatment for drug addiction, but won't be required to. Uh. Okay. Uh, the goal is to get addicts to seek help without throwing them in jail. Drugs that are now allowed include cocaine, ecstasy, meth, heroin, fentanyl, other stuff. But making, dealing, or trafficking them is still illegal. And it says Canada, not the first country to try this. Portugal did it in 2001. Of course, Oregon. First U.S. state to try it a couple of years ago. Listen to this. So far, it's not clear if it's helped or hurt, but some countries have had success. Name one. Right. I mean, what, Name what place one. has gotten better? Because, listen, I, I mean, like, even when you're talking about legalizing weed, and I'm, I am personally all for that, but, man, you got to do something about people smoking weed in public. 
that there there has to be some enforcement of that. And I don't know what that looks like, but it really does suck walking around a city and everything smells like weed. <laughs> I thought that was like your dream from 15 years ago. I mean, well, maybe a little now bit longer. Now you're a parent, than it's that. different. Well, no, it's not even that. It's like, no, it just remember there I mean, you walk around parts of Portland, you walk around parts of Seattle and it's just sure. it's everywhere, man. Yeah. It had been years. I was like Man, if I breathe deep, am I going to catch something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, and one other thing, real quick. Uh, highest grossing tour of all time. You know who it is? It's now Elton John. Wow. Oh, good for him. Whoa, dude. No kidding. All right. Warn that late. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, this was a attention-grabbing headline in the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. consumer is starting to freak out, David. Yeah, well, and it comes down to what we all know. You don't really need uh, Census Bureau data or any other federal data to, to back up what we all instinctively know every time you go to Walmart, right? I mean, food prices are still sky high. It's way too expensive, and so people are not spending as much money as they had been. And what's interesting in the Wall Street Journal as they break this down, it kind of makes it look like, and maybe this is true, I mean, again, a lot of this we won't really know until years and years later, but it looks like that first round of stimulus under the Trump administration did its job. It did a good thing. It, It did actually rescue the American economy because it gave people who were still working some cash to go and spend and support whatever businesses could stay open, at least on the national uh, level. When you know, again, when you're talking about the economy, a lot of times you have to take a microscope to it to really see what's going on out in the world because conditions in New York were drastically different than conditions in Florida. But and I think it was safe to say so as people had to stay home. They're like, okay, well, we got to exercise. So, all right, whether it's an exercise bike, right. exercise equipment, need an upgrade for the computer or TV or whatever, things that we're going to do, home improvement went through the roof, all that stuff. People were spending money on that. Then once they could go out, yeah. they're like, okay, I'm dying to get out. I'll spend money to go here, there, whatever. Yeah. So, so now we're in the hangover phase, essentially. And probably more and more rounds starting again under Trump and then continuing under President Biden of stimulus packages actually made the situation a lot worse. Yeah. And uh, now you're in a situation where people are, you know, reality is kind of setting in. Some of these benefits from the pandemic are 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 waning, if not gone altogether. The savings rate is getting lower. The use of credit cards is getting higher, which is always something that makes people nervous because that that mm, that a crash is coming of Last some I sort. I saw the credit card debt's an all time high. Yeah, and and so now again we're in this hangover uh, situation, and a lot of consumers are are closing their pocketbooks because they don't know what else is coming. Okay, and I didn't see it in that piece. Maybe you did. Did it mention anything about people's taxes, doing their taxes this year? 
Uh, you wonder what that's going to wind up looking like. Because they're, they're already saying they're freaking out. Wait till a lot of people do their taxes. Yeah. Because you're not getting the same breaks that you got over the last couple of years. No. Nope. And there's been warnings that people got to know going in, probably not going to get, if you got a rebate before, it's not going to be as big, or you may be on the other side where you got to pay. Yeah. Well, everybody's going to be me now. <laughs> well, and that kind of highlights the the weirdness and one of the reasons why, along with a lot of other political media reporting and all that stuff, sometimes economic reporting just drives me crazy because it's it's dumb. It doesn't actually pay attention to what happens on the ground because you may have seen... 100%, uh, bro. You know, oh, well, GDP went up or grew 2 point whatever percent in the fourth quarter of last year. Right, but when that is fueled by exports and when that's fueled by things that don't impact people's day-to-day lives and they're seeing the cost of eggs triple or whatever they were uh whatever they are now uh, compared to just a couple years ago then yeah people that's not a good thing for the economy that's not a good indicator of what people are experiencing yeah yeah politically um trump is starting to make some noise didn't, wasn't Lindsey Graham talking about Trump? Oh, yeah. South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is all in on Trump 2024. Um, he was on Hannity last night, and he said, he go, basically his whole point was, I got nothing against Ron DeSantis, Mike Pompeo, or anything else, but it's Trump's turn. Okay, I want to hear this. What? Hmm? No, I, yeah, I, I want to... I want to hear this from Lindsey. Go ahead. I am for Trump, not because of the flaws of anybody else. I'm for Donald Trump because I know what I'm going to get. We need somebody that on day one can get this country back on track, that can secure our border and bring order out of chaos. Somebody, the Russian. Oh, hold on a second. You want to just listen? Do you want to try to make the point to agree or make the point to disagree? We can play it any way you want. Well, I'd rather hear the whole thing. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Somebody the Russians and the Chinese fear. Somebody that can take the fight to the terrorists. The Abraham Accords, the result of Donald Trump impressing the Arabs and the Israelis. He is the best solution to the problems we face, not because of the flaws of others, but because what I know he can do. And I'm telling your listeners right now, when you hear, I like Trump, but, uh, policies, but I'm ready for somebody new. There are no Trump policies without Donald Trump. Okay. So what's your reaction to that? Go ahead, Scott. You know, here's the thing. I mean, we talked about this. And, and again, anytime I, we say anything that is negative about Trump, I hear the blowback. I, I mean, all the time. So. But let me, let me just say this. You and I talk, talked about this, David, and I, all three of us have talked about this. We need somebody who is electable, the best electable person. Yes. Not necessarily somebody's favorite or least favorite or whatever. We need somebody that can beat a Democrat. And in my mind, today as I sit here, that guy is Ron DeSantis. Are you saying that Donald Trump can't win? He's unelectable? Oh, gosh. I don't... Is that what you're saying? I, I, yeah, I don't think... Scott! It, well, I just don't think under this current cloud we live under that he, unless he ran against biden he might have a chance of, uh, of beating biden but i think i have a chance of beating biden <laughs> <laughs> i take that for me when i hear Lindsay, i take it with a grain of salt i just do yeah and I, nothing to back it up other than gut like okay you and trump are buddies for whatever reason 
So you're going to go out there and do what you got to do, right? Um, but when, you know, he's talking about, well, it's not because of the faults of anybody else. Yeah. It's, it's not that, but I know what I'm going to get. Do you? Yeah. Because a lot of people's frustration with Trump is you don't know. You kind of know, and you like the policies, but it's the erratic behavior that drives you bananas. You know, and people could talk about the first debate. We've gone over all that stuff. And listen, man, as we get into the whole Trump versus DeSantis thing, yeah, there's going to be split. All I'm going to do is just be honest. And if people are pissed at you because you're being honest, well, that's life, man. But, you know, I could go down the list of accomplishments of Trump president, right? And there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. It really is. Yeah. But one, you do have to get elected. Yes. And, at least to me, you want someone that is going to fight back. No doubt about it. But I prefer somebody that fights back well and doesn't sound like a middle school person. And Trump can do that sometimes. I mean, and it, especially for independents, it, it pushes them away, especially independent women. Sometimes, man... I mean, he is, like, repellent to the independent women. Like, oh, no, I can't go there. And then you wonder, because I think DeSantis could. You know, this is a totally separate story, but Trump unloaded on DeSantis. Yeah, they're trying to drag DeSantis into this thing, and he just won't have any of it. So. Yes. So Trump puts out on Truth Social, which, by the way, he can be back on Twitter. I'm wondering when he's actually going to do that. Well, doesn't he have his financial stake in Truth Social? So Yeah. Yes, but if you're looking to get your message out, yeah. and at some point I think you have to, if you're going to be running for president, you're going to have to go beyond that, aren't you? Or you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, or maybe he just likes preaching to the choir. I don't know. It could be. Um, he was saying that the Club for No Growth is a globalist group that I have been taking to the cleaners for years. We worked together for a period, but they couldn't get away from China, Europe, Asia, and parts unknown. They know I won't play that game. I am America first all the way. That's the only way we make America great again. Ron DeSanctimonious, who I made governor in both the primary and the general, is also a globalist, and so are his donors. Jeb Low Energy Bush was next to him last week. Check, all caps, passed. Okay. <laughs> and then... Wait, uh, hold on a the, second. Wait, wait. Yes. That's a, Don, I love you. You know I love you, man. But that's like the greatest self-own of all time. You said, yeah, he's a globalist. Ah, and I made him governor. What? <laughs> so so you made this globalist guy <laughs> the governor? governor? And, and he's the bad guy for it? I don't understand. I don't understand, Don. Yeah. And so then he said... The fake news media was good yesterday in their coverage of my stops in New Hampshire and South Carolina. Other than the globalist street journal, which is rarely accurate or good, they said the day was really amazing. The enthusiasm to, all caps, make America great again has never been stronger. The revelations that Ron DeSanctimonious, doing, all caps, far worse than many other Republican governors, including that he unapologetically shut down Florida and its <laughs> beaches, okay. was interesting indeed. DJT leading, all caps, big, three exclamations. I mean, Don, again, I love you, but how many times? Don't make me go out and make a montage of you bragging about shutting down the country, which he did 
multiple times in 2020. And actually, well, Florida didn't even shut down until a personal phone call from Donald Trump was made. Well, and I saw and some people had it. The first TV had it uh, bringing back the clip of Trump talking about Governor Kemp in Georgia, that he didn't like him, quote, reopening Georgia on April 22nd of 2020. If you remember that, I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities which are in violation of the phase one guidelines for the incredible people of Georgia. They're incredible people. Okay. So, yes, he unapologetically shut down Florida. Well, that doesn't mix very well with the review of everything. No. That doesn't sound very good. And I love the people. I love I love those people that use all of those things, the spas and the beauty parlors and barber shops, tattoo parlors. Tattoo. I love them. But they can wait a little bit longer, just a little bit, not, not much, because safety has to predominate. We have to have that. Uh-oh. So uh, uh. I told the governor very simply that I disagree with his decision. Uh. Yeah. Do you hesitate to say any more, don't you, Scott? No, I, I well, I mean, I, what's you, your real you, feeling? Look, I told you my feelings. My feelings are this. <laughs> I want somebody who is electable. I want somebody who can run this country, mm-hmm. who can start to turn, turn this <laughs> thing around. And if it's him and the Democrat, then I would vote for him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I've been saying it for a while now. If it comes down to a primary between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, the biggest liability Trump has is the reaction to COVID. Because you can't, you really can't credibly make the case that Ron DeSantis did something that was like authoritarian, like shutting down beaches and stuff like that, when you were out there criticizing and trying to convince the governor of Florida to shut down the beaches. And then on the campaign trail, time and time again, we had the hottest economy in the history of the country, and I shut it down. He said it all the time. Yeah, I know. Well, and I like the way DeSantis fights on a number of different fronts, too. So more on that a little bit later. Somebody stole two monkeys from the Dallas Zoo? Yeah. I saw them, too. They got the mustaches, these monkeys. (laughs) You ever see their particular kind? I forget what they're called. We got to get to that story. Who steals a couple of monkeys? I don't know. Inside job, man. Mike Tyson. (laughs) And dude gets car broken into while he's literally in the car. David has that story coming up. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You're seeing recommendations. Kids don't have cell phones till they're 13 yeah. for their mental health. Seems like an arbitrary age, 13. Well, they're finding out that you're just not ready for it yet. Until you're 13. Yes, and even then. I was going to say. Even then, you should keep limits on it. Because we it. have no idea what this is going to do to people's mental health over a period of time. I don't know about you, but I was making all kinds of great decisions at 13. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah, why not? Just give them the phone. I don't have to deal with that. I'm really glad I don't. The whole cell phone thing, I never had to deal with it. 
So it's all about you. Forget everybody else. Yeah. No, no, kids. I just don't know how Forget I would them. deal with it today. I'm just I, saying what the recommendation. I know. Was. How did you deal with it? We tried to keep limits on it the best we Until could. Until they were 13. I think it was the smartphone around that age. Okay. Well, David will have but to deal with that in the future. Yeah. I haven't I haven't dealt with it perfectly. By the time David I mean, is ready, the kids will be born with one in their hand <laughs> through evolution. Part of it is got to be comfortable being the uncool parent. Yeah. You really do. And you have to be comfortable with your kids saying, you know how ridiculous my friends think you are? Right. Yep. <laughs> I pretty much do. But you got to be okay with that. And then you're seeing that TikTok is getting banned from schools Gosh, and, you know, different states. And I thought we were close to getting a TikTok ban in the United States, but what happened, David? Oh, well, the money gets involved always. That's the thing about the Chinese Communist Party, man. They are really good at leveraging uh, influence through dollars and cents. They have for, I mean, the better part of a century at this point. Yeah. (laughs) They are so much more a part of American culture than people know. And their money goes in everywhere. It it really should be a no-brainer. Here you have a company that is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, by a hostile foreign nation. And we know that they are collecting data from kids and adults, but from all users of this app. And we're just like, yeah, but, uh, um... Well, it's not technically just a Chinese company, and um, hmm. the videos are really funny, and the videos are cool. Yeah. Okay, can you tell me who stole monkeys from the Dallas Zoo? I I don't know if I knew. I would tell the Dallas police, man, because they they the the Dallas Zoo has been falling on some hard times recently. You had a an endangered vulture that was found dead in its enclosure last week. It was man. found with a wound. Uh, and a week before the vulture's death, a clouded leopard temporarily escaped after its enclosure was cut open. Oh, my gosh. And now two monkeys were found to be missing from their habitat yesterday morning. And the zoo was closed because of inclement weather. Uh, but uh, they think that somebody actually took the monkeys out. Well, <laughs> there's no video. There's no, like, security. They have a <laughs> photo. Okay, I know what a monkey sounds like. Do we need that? They they have a photo of somebody who may have messed with the enclosure. Okay. Well, apparently they have been found jumping on a bed. <laughs> really? Really? Two monkeys jumping yeah, on I know. a bed. One fell off and hurt. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. You crack yourself up. I do. Yeah, if I don't care about anybody's kid, <laughs> yep. you get your cell phone, whatever. We make fun of the monkeys that got stole. My, 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 my favorite Scott Robbins jokes are the ones that make Scott Robbins laugh <laughs> and only yes. Scott Robbins right. laugh. Yes. I thought the two monkeys jumping on a bed would be good. <laughs> See, it's not in the joke. It's in how you sell it. And you sell right. it very well, my he friend. He does sell it well. I'll give him that. <laughs> Okay, biggest story of the day, David. <laughs> I I don't know anymore. I've just got monkeys on the brain now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Well, uh, we I guess we have no problem at the border because Alejandro Mayorkas says our solutions are working. We got to get to that and much more coming up right here.
Markley Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, this is just infuriating to hear Secretary Homeland Security saying, hey, our solutions are working right now as far as illegal immigration. Yeah. Because you changed wording, basically. Yeah, ba- basically you told people who were trying to get into America, download this app, let us know you're coming. And you can come on in to the tune of at least 30000 a year under this new expanded parole program for migrants. And using that, because it looks good on an Excel sh- spreadsheet, they're saying that, see, we're, we're stopping the just nonstop flow of people coming into the country because we are having fewer arrests at the border, you see. Never mind the fact that, you know, you, you had like winter and all that stuff kind of happen. But oh see, we, we've got lower, lower numbers now on the official stat sheet, so therefore what we're doing is working. And the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas told all these red states who have a problem with this parole program to just quit whining. We're doing what you want us to do. Okay. It is still early, but we've seen an almost 90% drop. Why these states would oppose an enforcement uh, program that is proving successful is beyond my comprehension. Oh, it please. is remarkable to me that states will attack a solution to the problem about which they complain. And again, if you happen to miss it yesterday, I was trying to make the point that's like, well, the, the, Theft is down in our store because we made all of the candy bars and all the cereal boxes and all the liquor free. Right. <laughs> so when people pocket that, it's just, we're just giving that away. Wasn't this the inflation thing, too? Inflation was down if you take out meat and yeah. eggs and gas. Yeah, that, and they're still doing that. If you right. add, Well, if you only look at right. yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. exports, then the economy's doing great. Yeah. But to David's point yesterday, when I brought that up, he yeah. said, well, that's already happened. Right. Yes. Well, it has happened. Yeah. And I mean, in cities like San Francisco, where yeah. you're not prosecuting shoplifting under $900 or whatever. Um, and then so they, don't, you don't even have to pick your category. Just take whatever. Yeah. I don't Just, understand why the Walgreens keep closing. They're right. racist. <laughs> you're racist if you don't want to give your goods away to people of color. Right. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um David, you mentioned, and just a little while ago, we were talking about uh, Trump going after Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Like in the early campaigning, calling him Ron DeSantis and ripping him for sort of some unfounded stuff. Well, he was keeping the beaches closed. Yeah, things like that. And it's like, well, I mean, Trump was pretty critical of governors who tried to open up earlier than what Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci were wanting. So that's kind of a wash for me. Um, but I did think it was kind of interesting that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis was actually asked about some of the incoming that he's having. And this yeah. may be, I know it's like, I don't want to manufacture a fight because I think Ron DeSantis up to this point has played it pretty well of just sort, sort of, of ignored it the best he could. Right. And so, yeah. but this may be like the most direct message to Donald Trump that he has given in public. Okay. Well, look, what I would just say is this. Um, I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. And if you look at the good thing about it, though, is like if you take a crisis situation like COVID, you know, the good thing about it is when you're an elected executive, you have to make all kinds of decisions. You've got to steer that ship. And the good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that, whether they reelect you or not. 
And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win re-election, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has in the history of the state of Florida. What I would just say is uh, that verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida. I guess you could call that a scoreboarding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things that is appealing to me about DeSantis isn't just that he got reelected or how he handled COVID. It's how he's actually gone on the offensive toward a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. Because at least to me, when you're thinking about what's wrong with this country, how do we fix this? It's from the inside out. I mean, the left has infiltrated its big tech, its education, it, all over the place. Religion. To, into critical race theory, into trans activism, and he is out in front to fight those things. It's really fighting information and what's drilled into kids' heads. And even at the college level, where it's sort of like, okay, if you're going to be teaching these types of things— then you're not getting state money. We're going to stop all this. Yeah. Well, and today, Ron DeSantis announced that Florida will be eliminating all funding for diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracies on state colleges and universities. These are the, these are the people that sometimes will read the job description of what, yes. you know, it's like, oh, the undersecretary for uh, whatever DEI uh, department there is. And, and it's always just corporate speak nonsense like what do these people actually do and they're getting paid you know in some cases upwards of two hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to do something that is addressing a problem that doesn't exist and yes and and it's just a scam and when you have a time when you're in, in a time when we're talking about the student loan debt crisis boy it seems weird to have public universities and colleges spending that kind of money and inflating their budgets on useless positions. Yes. And so he's saying, nah, we're not doing this anymore. Nah, we're not going to do that. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people took the media's talking point with the whole don't say gay bill. Mm-hmm. People still forget that was up to, what, third grade? Yeah, and they also forget that when you take political names out of it, mm-hmm. that pulled extremely well even with Democrats in Florida. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you shouldn't. You you absolutely. It's common sense to say no. Teachers should not be talking to little boys about their penises. Like it's pretty no. clear. No, they shouldn't right. be doing that. And then you got these freaks out. That's hateful. No, that's good parenting to protect your kid. Holy smokes! Saw this piece out of the Federalist, switching gears uh, by Casey Chalk, and I think I missed part of this controversy. Tony Dungy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Christian guy. He's yeah. on, you know, football night in America. Has been for quite a while. He was at the annual March for Life in Washington. And I didn't know he took a lot of heat for for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, but NBC News went after him, at least the NBC out, the LGBT section of NBC News. And then it was CNN, Washington Post, MSN, The Nation, among others. And the point of this piece was to say the corporate media wants to silence Christians from speaking out about their faith in the public square and give several of, you know, examples of that, which is easy to see. But talking about the latest dust up with Dungy and his willingness to speak out against abortion at the March for Life, ESPN panelist and Washington Post columnist Kevin Blackstone. 
I'm not familiar. Accused Dungy of being regressive and intolerant and being associated with zealots because you're pro-life? Really? If they disagree with you, you're intolerant. They also mentioned, that's kind of funny, given that Blackstone called the national anthem, quote, a war anthem. He's one of those people. Ah, okay. All right. Um, He also said that Dungy, who is going to be appearing at an upcoming evangelical men's conference in March, that could be hazardous to his career. I don't know that he cares. Oh, yeah, but they're going to make it awful. And so they mention other people that have gone after him. Your old buddy, Keith Olbermann, Scott, uh, tweeted, Dear NBC Sports, if you have any remaining concern for your operational reputation, fire Tony Dungy now. He is using you. And then the sports editor at The Nation called him a right-wing zealot, an anti-gay bigot, all these other things. But they go on just talking about you know one's beliefs, and we talked about this for years. That if you're a Bible-believing Christian, I mean, every year you get closer to getting completely booted out of the club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, for just saying, hey, I love everybody, but I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Bigot! Anti-gay! You know, all those different things. And then, (laughs) and I saw this part that made me think of David, and it, it just made me laugh. When they're talking about you know, different people that have been made to apologize for even just liking tweets or things that they've tweeted. And they mentioned Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, You forget this, Scott. David will never forget it. I I love Lamar Jackson because he just doesn't care, or at least I hope you're not about to tell me that he groveled and apologized. But um, there was a. Uh, it was when the pregnant man emoji came out. Oh, that! Oh, I and yeah, that. and Lamar Jackson, buddy, buddy yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lamar Jackson tweeted, "Why the buddy pregnant?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that was transphobic. Well. <laughs> He was asking a legitimate question for yes, someone who, he was. whose life revolves around just football. I mean, yeah, right. that is kind of confusing. I, If I didn't do this for a living, I would probably be wondering why the buddy was pregnant as well. Yes, what is that all about? <laughs> you know, this is so sponsorable because you can take the camera, guys with like big beer guts, and do why the buddy pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but he Every didn't game. apologize for that, right? No, he didn't. No. It, it said different people have been made to apologize, but it doesn't give an example of his apology. Yeah, I have I, to look that up. Not that I remember. They, but it's possible. They, and they are the most humorless group of people on the planet. Nothing's funny unless one of their adversaries is killed, decapitated, loses an arm. That's funny. Oh, the most intolerant group claims they're all about tolerance. It's, it's really, but the, the lack of just humor. They just don't have any. Oh, no. Just the. No. Oh, well, no, God. because they're miserable and they want miserable. to make everybody else miserable, too. Just miserable. I, I don't know if he ever did actually apologize for it because that tweet is very much still up. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Why the buddy pregnant lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, we got to get to the story about the guy that got broken into his car. Oh, dude. Okay. Uh, this is how bad things are getting in the Bay Area in California. Uh, thieves are now breaking into cars while people are literally still sitting inside of them. Like just Whoa. popping the trunk and stealing stuff and walking away. 
So KTVU had this story last night. They talked to one victim who was parked in an SUV in Oakland talking on the phone when another dude drives up behind him, gets out, pops the truck, and steals a backpack. Well, it's like the hatchback thing, you know. Gets Oh, right. Yeah, pops that thing up, steals the backpack. The driver didn't even realize he'd been robbed for several hours. He thought that the he had just accidentally popped the back. Oh, uh, and and so he goes and closes it, and then he gets to wherever he was going and realizes, oh my gosh, my backpack with my laptop in it and whatnot is gone. Oh, and then he gets no. the surveillance footage, and sure enough, sees that somebody while he was in the car ripped him off. Why the buddy stealing? <laughs> Here we go. I'm, I'm in my car. I should be safe. And and then you see him reach down and push that little button underneath. I feel dumb because I'm I'm oblivious. I'm on the phone. I'm looking down, distracted. I followed the rules, and I still got <laughs> robbed. Yeah. Now, here's the kicker. This is from the reporter as he tags the story. Okay. The victim called me after our interview. It turns out his rental was broken into again during our visit. <laughs> so he's doing the interview and his car gets broken into. Oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Well, if it's under $900, it's legal. There you go. You should just want to give it to people. Why the buddy getting robbed all the time? No doubt. What did he do? All right. Much more to get to. Uh... The latest on medical schools, you got to hear this. You'll be wanting to really look at the background of your doctor coming up soon. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Yeah, headbanging Scott Robbins right there. I like your song. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Okay. Now, if you're going to the doctor, you got to have surgery. You want the best doctor possible. Well, yeah. That goes without saying. I always think they should. we should know their position, their class rank, before they operate on us. Well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the U.S. News rankings, they do that as far as medical schools go. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about actually where they were in the class. Place, I know. Placement, okay. But that's what this story is about oh, that okay. I'm about to All go right. into. All right, good. You know, uh, that doesn't matter, though, to some medical schools anymore. They are saying we're no longer even going to report to U.S. News on this. What? No. Like the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, they said in a statement, the U.S. News rankings undermines the school's commitment to anti-racism. An outreach to diverse communities. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Story in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Do you want to hear some more of the statement? Are they, are they saying that what black people don't know how to read lists? I don't understand. No, they're saying we got to have more people of color uh, and more disadvantaged people being doctors. Okay, but what does that have to do with the ranking for because they think that the U.S. News rankings just reduces everything everything to, like, test scores. This is no longer a meritocracy. Wait, are, you, are you saying that then black people can't pass tests in medical school? I'm not saying anything. 
these people right. are saying diversity, equity, and inclusion are important factors in our decision. Oh. We believe that the quality of medical students and future physicians is reflected in their lived experiences. Oh, God. <laughs> intersecting <laughs> identities, <laughs> research accomplishments, All right. commitment to social and racial justice, and a set of core values that are aligned with those of our school. You need brain surgery? You want the best? Yeah. Well, not unless I, they've committed to social and racial justice. <laughs> uh, hi there. I, I'm your surgeon. I have uh, 15 years of experience. I studied at the best medical schools and under the best surgeons to learn this craft. Uh, yeah, but have you done the work? No, no. I have not. Yeah, I won a pumpkin carving contest yeah. at the state fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to crack your chest open now and on, rearrange you. On the flip well, side. you got University of Pennsylvania. You got Columbia. I mean, all the Stanford. Gosh. All saying dang. the same stuff. Well, we're sorry, we're not going to report anymore. We don't uh, want to do this. By the way, just so you know, U.S. News already does provide a list ranking universities that have the most racial and ethnic diversity among students. Not good enough. No. Wow. And, you know, it's funny because remember when they started saying, well, the SAT is optional. A lot of college started doing that. Mm -hmm. Some be like, yeah, whatever. As long as they don't eliminate the test for would-be brain surgeons. Uh-oh. Jeez. Yes. There's just some fields of study that you just can't do that with. They're doing it everywhere, wow. dude. Yes. How'd you do in punt, pass, and kick? All right, you're in. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, you'll want to check out your uh, doctor's pass there. Wow. The scores. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, the president was speaking, and what exactly was he trying to say, David? Well, I don't know. He was talking about trains yesterday, and let me tell you, his mind is sharp as a tack, man. Nothing wrong there. Okay. 1.4 million, uh, well, excuse me, a 1.4 million, a 1.4 mile stretch with the tight curves, so the trains kept to slow to 30 miles an hour. What? I don't even know. I think he was trying to say a 1.4 mile stretch. Of rail, but it came out 1.4 million, excuse me, 1.4 million, excuse me, 1.4 miles. <laughs> I'm a thousand miles, no. I'm a million, no. I'm 1.4 from nowhere. Okay. Lisa didn't sing. We right. got that going for us. Yeah. They, okay. The staff really needs to understand that Joe Biden doesn't do numbers. No. Just don't put okay. numbers. Say a lot. Yonder. Yonder, yes. <laughs> Off Over the cheat sheet. I mean, they're not putting zeros there. It has to say million, doesn't it? Or thousand? Where did he get million from? Well, see, that's why I think it might be numbers. 1.4 million. Uh, well, excuse me, a 1.4 million, a 1.4 mile stretch with the tight curves so the trains kept to slow to 30 miles he an just, hour. He jumped the track there. He... 
he saw M-I-L and went with million instead of miles. That could be. Yeah. I think that's probably what happened. They wouldn't actually put the numbers out there and have them try to figure it out on the fly. <laughs> you have four-hour speech. Do you, do, you think, do you think at this point, though, there's some speech writer, maybe like an associate or something, who will just purposefully put some like Easter eggs in there just to like just having fun with Joe Biden now? It's very possible because they know it's like okay, right. this whole thing's going down in flames. Whatever, I'm just gonna I'm gonna purposefully try to trip up the old man. They just Ron Burgundy, yeah. right? That guy. Exactly. Every once in a while, just for kicks. <laughs> it's like the Easter eggs that are in yes speech. Well, you do that with some friends in media. Can you work this oh, yeah. word in somehow, some oh, yeah. way right. into the cast? Yeah. Is there some speechwriter getting into his wallet, giving the guy 50 bucks? How did you get the old man to say? <laughs> And then sometimes I do that with, with, you know, with Scott when we're having to record commercials. I'll put in a little phrase in there yeah. that is not going to make the final cut, but, you know. It is hilarious. But so it's like, <laughs> it's like order Hello Fresh, and I like to smell my own farts. I mean, what? <laughs> We have those bloopers. We oh, do. gosh, I know. We're not going to play them today. We'd have to have your approval to play them. Well, we have to get it on a podcast or something because yeah. there's no way we could play some of those over the years. Well, not some of them. No. You get irritated. Right. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. As far as Biden goes, with the classified documents, yeah. if someone walks up to you right now, because this will happen, where are we at with that? What do you tell them, David? I, I tell them it looks like the White House was trying to cover something up. That's what it looks like. So it's not its not even really about the hoarding of classified documents from the time he was vice president but and senator now we know. But it was about them not really wanting anybody to know about it because now we understand that the FBI did actually do a sweep of the Penn Biden Center, the think tank in Washington, D.C. Right. It turns out they actually did in mid-November and we're just now finding out about it. The White House never said it. The White House's story initially was, well, our lawyers contacted the National Archives, um, and that's what happened on November 2nd, and that's the only set of documents that we found. And then it comes out, actually, in mid-December, his lawyers also found documents in the garage. Oh, and then they also found more documents in the library, and even more documents about another week later or so. So it appears they didn't think it would get out, and it got out. And now we're hearing more about the FBI. Do you think that the White House knew about that at the time? They had with to the have. FBI. Yes, because because according to the CBS News report, at least uh, Biden's lawyers gave them the green light to go in. So yeah, they would have known. So that's the other curious thing. You've had NBC report on this and CBS, and sometimes breaking the actual story. That hasn't been what's happened over the last five six years on anything. That wasn't a part of a narrative that the left wanted. Right. The old inside job is what it looks like. Okay. Switching to other things like Trump and Lindsey Graham is already out campaigning for Trump, it looks like. Yeah, I think he's actually part of the campaign now uh, for 2024, and he's all in on Trump 2024. He was on Hannity last night, and he said, hey, no one else can do what Trump can do, okay, to all the other people thinking about jumping in. So this message basically is to Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Okay. I know the downside of Trump, but let me tell you about the upside of Trump. 
There are no Trump policies without Donald Trump. You know why NATO gave $431 billion in defense spending increases? Because they thought that Trump really meant it when he said he was going to pull out. You know why the Capitol... Hold on a second before he goes any further. I'm just asking the question. Do you believe what he said? There are no Trump policies without Trump. No, I don't. I I, I don't actually believe that. And I'm not here waving the flag for a guy like Mike Pompeo necessarily. I, I like Mike Pompeo generally, but I... I, I I can't imagine myself voting for him in a Republican primary uh, if DeSantis or Trump is involved in it. But uh, I'm pretty sure Mike Pompeo would do the same thing with NATO. But that whole thing of, the, well, the policies. Yeah. Uh, you know why the capital, we moved the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem. Every president before Trump said, I will do it. Good point. But then all the smart people said yeah. it will create World War III. Trump said, I said I would do it. I would do it. He. That was a great thing is responsible for securing the border through his personal will. When he put tariffs on Chinese products, it scared the crap out of Mexico. And they said, yes, we'll be glad to give you 28,000 troops. We'll be glad to keep people in Mexico because he thought Trump, they thought Trump would put tariffs on Mexican policies. That was fine, but we still didn't get the wall. And you can say for a number of reasons why, but it didn't happen. I mean, when he went in, the Republicans were in charge. Think back to that. Yeah. In 2017, he had everything. Golly. There are no Trump policies without the man, Donald Trump. And to all these people who are very talented, I don't think you could do what he could, what he did. And I want him to have another shot. Unfinished business. Okay. All right. And just playing the truth game here. Do you think Trump has something on Lindsey Graham? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Gee whiz. You know you do, oh. Scott. I just made you uncomfortable and put you in the chair, but you yeah, know you do. I think he probably does. Look, I, I mean, I think Lindsey Graham lays out good points, although I don't, I don't know that Trump is the only guy who would be able to do it because there have been a lot of Republicans who have shown some backbone in recent years thanks to Donald Trump because Donald Trump showed yes. you could do it. Um, Listen, man, totally appreciative of what Trump has done. Up until this point. And yeah, there are some things. I mean, he should have been elected again. And yes, he got an absolute. <laughs> to say it was a raw deal from the media is a gross understatement. He's railroaded every which way. But he could also shoot himself in the foot, if we're to be honest. We can't afford again to have another Democratic president. Just can't. Oh, I agree. That's my biggest concern. Yeah. Um, well, there's going to be a lot more on that for sure. Did you see this? I saw this at the Wall Street Journal. The celebrities who endorsed crypto and the NFTs are now in the legal crosshairs because all these people invested in this stuff and lost a boatload of money. So they're talking about Tom Brady and Madonna and that'd be Steph Curry was out there promoting cryptocurrency. Yeah. And I don't know where you end up on this thinking, yeah, you could be held liable if you're promoting that stuff. Um, But one of the parts of this story talks about, yeah, they would have had to have say, hey, we're getting paid to endorse this. Isn't that a given? Yeah, I mean, with the financial stuff, it it gets a little bit murky sometimes. I generally think that a reasonable person would see Tom Brady doing a commercial for FTX or whatever and assume he's being paid. I mean, I don't... And that's what a lot of times lawsuits come down to, and well, a lot of legal 
disputes come down to would a reasonable person think X, Y, or Z? Like, who out there is really thinking that Tom Brady was advertising for a crypto bro just out of the goodness of his heart? He's getting paid. You kind of understand that. Yes. Well, an attorney who represents both plaintiffs and defendants in this said promoting a company and promoting a security issued by a company are not necessarily the same thing. We should expect judicial guidance and clarity on the rules of the road for celebrities in the next few months. Yeah. But, you know, especially with crypto, it was this sort of feeling that, oh, man, you could make money fast on this. Yeah. And at the time, would you not trust somebody like a Steph Curry or Tom Brady? I'm not going to mention Madonna in there. Those are the NFTs. I wouldn't. Yeah, I suppose, but uh, the decision is still yours. I mean, Tom Brady didn't hold the gun to anybody's head and say, "Go buy this." No, you know he endorsed the product. Yes. I mean, what are you gonna if you if you you know if you get caught with a DUI and you were drinking Sammy Hagar's you know booze, can you sue Sammy Hagar? I think it's, I think it's a little bit different. Well, it is, but I mean, just because a celebrity endorses it or is behind a product. I mean, oh, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, uh-huh. you, you know what you're getting yourself into. Well, yeah. You're a grown person. You know what you're doing. But it does. It, there's no doubt. That's why they pay them a oh, sure. bunch yeah, of right. money because it adds credibility thinking, to the product. Totally. Then, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like TV commercials. Oftentimes, if you read the fine print, you'll see celebrity endorser or paid endorser right. on there. So there are disclosures that that typically need to be made, but. I don't know. I think it's kind of weak to say I only bought this because Tom Brady told me to. That right. I don't know, yeah. man. Uh, the liability seems to be on the person who was actually running the scam, not the person who was paid right. to advertise for what they thought was a legitimate company. Some results yeah. may vary. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that was even worse for Tom Brady is the one where he's doing like the live video. Yeah. And he's got that goof behind him from yeah. FTX. Bankman Freed. Yes. Is there, hey, my buddy Sam here. Because it looked like they were good buds. That is not a good look. It was a bad year for old Tom. Yeah. Um, oh, I did see this real quick on a lighter note. Um, and, Scott, I knew that you would want to know. Maybe you too, David. The top things pets like to watch on TV. Oh, I watch TV with my cats every night. Do they pick or do you? I do. Oh. I still hold the remote. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. Because I thought maybe because you like to watch, you know, The Bachelor, no. The Bachelorette, and all these, like, female-friendly shows that maybe it was a That's my that was actually picking yeah, the TV. The Bachelor debuted last night, sir. And did you like it? I don't know. I didn't see enough of it. What do you mean? The, How much did you see? About 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I, we watch Seinfeld's, old Seinfeld's every night. That's certainly not sad. Uh, the top five sports that uh, like pets like to life. watch. No, it's fine. Okay, all right. No, you may, dude. I know you got you get your blanket out, That's and then the cats sad. sit on the blanket. Yeah, I know. And I know. you got your essential oils going, yeah, and all right. that. Yeah. And you're watching your TV. That's fine. Yeah. Never call me over to watch a game. Nope. Nope. Got the cats here. I'm good. Don't need you, an old friend. Yeah, forget all that. But yeah, the top things that they like to watch are sports and cartoons. Yeah, they say. Is your dog or? Cats watch TV, David? Uh, hockey, the cats will actually try to chase the puck on the screen. <laughs> see, yeah. Can you record that? I want I'll to see try, that. Yeah. That's totally fun. That's awesome. Um, why are rents rising in cities that are losing people? This is a curious question. Straight ahead.
The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know there was another release of the Twitter files? A lot of people don't even know what's happening anymore. So much corruption, man. You almost forget about that. Well, you know how often the media would talk about Russian bots and Russian yeah. bots trying to influence the American people? People around Twitter knew that was all BS. We're trying to say this is actually this isn't real. And media knew it wasn't yeah. real. They pushed the narrative anyway. And sometimes you'll get called a kook for talking about legacy media saying it's not news. They're propaganda machines. They're like, you've lost your mind, man. What happened to you? I know you partied a lot when you were in rock radio, but did you completely lose your crap? No, man. Follow this every day. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of it has to do with not necessarily any you know, government official currently on the payroll going and influencing them or anybody cutting them checks. What happens is they have a lot of in-house <clears throat> experts who just happen to come straight from the CIA and the FBI. A lot of them. A lot of them. Yes. And so, yeah, they're going to defend their former employer and their buddies. <laughs> it's so frustrating, man. You just want all of that out in the open. It just takes a long time. David, you saw a story. Rents are rising in cities that are losing people. How yeah, is that? Yeah, a really weird dynamic happening in major cities, uh, especially those that have lost a lot of residents. Somehow rent is still going up, even though inventory should be high. Well, New York Magazine looked into it, and this pertains particularly to New York, but it translates all over the country, given what's happened uh, around the country. Uh, so the official housing stats make it seem like a wave of people who left during the pandemic went back to New York City. But the Postal Service's database of change of address requests don't reflect that at all. And I like the way that the uh, writer put it. While I'm not a technically a statistician, I do pay $7 a month for Microsoft Excel. And so he starts plugging in numbers, <laughs> and he's like, well, none of this really adds up. Well, it turns out one of the things that is driving rent uh, up around the country is that there are a few big real estate companies that use an app called RealPage Revenue Management System. And what this does is it collects pricing and inventory stats and then suggests prices. So basically, it comes across as this big price-fixing scam. So it says, based on the data that we have, you should be charging X amount, X amount. And then everybody just puts in bogus data. And so everybody's on the same page here. Wow. And then the people who don't subscribe to this service see that what rents are for these big companies and say, okay, well, I guess I should start charging that. And then the other thing is, even if it's only a handful of properties in the bigger scheme or the big, bigger you know scheme of things uh, – a lot of people feel like they get priced out of any particular property, pick one. So then they wind up creating more competition for lower-end housing, which then drives up, the or drives up the cost of those places. So when you see these big companies wow. like BlackRock and Wall Street mm -hmm. investment firms buying up entire neighborhoods, this is what's happening. It's not capitalism. It's price-fixing. Right. <laughs> which is very Wall Street. Like BlackRock is doing their like little Disney commercials almost now. Right. We're good for the neighborhoods and <laughs> yeah. schools. <laughs> this is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay, David, biggest story of the day is uh biggest story of the day. 
there are a few here. Uh, one is that I, I like the story from the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. consumer is starting to freak out because everything is so damn expensive, and everybody's watching their savings dwindle, their credit card debt go up, and when you see consumer spending depressed the way it has been, it does not uh, preview a very good economic outlook for the year. No. We'll get more into that. Also, man, there's a lot to get to. You got your big three of the day. Yes, sir, Scott buddy. Scott Robbins yep. trifecta. Also, a woman online did a ghosting exit survey to a guy that ghosted her. <laughs> Wanted some answers to questions. Oh, we got to get to that, man. All coming up right here. Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Uh, you know that new uh, border admission policy that Joe Biden has uh, laid out? Yeah, come on in. Yeah, where it's basically just tell us you're coming and then you count as legal and you can work here legally for two years while we sort everything out. <laughs> you right. Be so you RSVP now? Or? Yeah, just RSVP, just let us know. And that doesn't count as illegal border crossings because we let them in. Nah. Okay. Mm -hmm. The border is secure. Well, uh, Biden's new border admission policy also allows Haitian-Cuban migrants to receive, Haitian and Cuban migrants, I should say, uh, to receive Medicaid, food stamps, and cash handouts as well. Oh, there you go. Border secure. Come on in. Whatever. We're flush with cash. Yep. Forget about the rec record debt. Yeah. All good. Yeah. <laughs> It boggles the mind, man. Yeah, it really does. I don't, I, I don't even know what to say to that. You got to pay the bill at some point in time. We don't have money. Yeah. Yeah. You laugh when I say that. Because <laughs> the way you say it with such conviction, we don't have any money. We're broke. It's over $31 trillion in debt. But we've got a credit card. It's okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. I wish the federal government had to go to a lender and sit in the little cubicle like we all do yeah. when we're applying for a loan. Right. It's like go like through Joe the, Biden's got to sit there. Like, what do you got for collateral, Joe? Go through the home buying process. You know, you yes. got to sit down and you have some financial advisor just turn over every rock in your past. Absolutely, <laughs> like, yes. Well, I see that you were uh, late on a payment uh, 13 years ago. Uh, Tell me about this utility bill. Yeah. Oh, God. Goodness gracious. All right. Robin, you ready for your big three? Yeah, let's roll. Let's go. Do it. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day this time, the Scott Robbins top three stories of the day. The trifecta always helped by his hero in life. I'm Casey Casey. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. Okay. Wow, okay. I'm ready. Sure he is. Three. Uh, Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt, of course, being the only person who was actually killed during the so-called mm -hmm. insurrection. She was shot and killed by a police officer. The same police officer who 
a few years ago, left his gun in the toilet unattended or in the bathroom unattended. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, uh, the doctor who tried to save her is now facing criminal charges, you're telling me. This is crazy. I don't know how I missed this one. A doctor who attempted to treat Ashley Babbitt, her gunshot wound, just arrested and charged with four misdemeanors. This guy's name is Austin Harris. He's a medical doctor on his knees checking uh, Ashley Babbitt's upper chest wound when the Capitol Police reached down and grabbed him by the shoulders, wrestled Harris away from her, grabbed him by the jacket, and shoved him down the hallway. She died. Wow. He's been charged now with four misdemeanors. Just because he was in the building during the the riot. That's right. So this guy, who was trained and was there to save a life, wasn't allowed to do so. Wow. At this point, I'm surprised they haven't charged Ashley Babbitt with something. (laughs) And I mean that sincerely. Man, that... I'm waiting to see where that story goes. Me too. I I, I do too, because should the guy have been in there? No. He was trying to save someone's life. He didn't have to do that. He certainly probably could have walked away from the situation and not been charged at all. They pull him off. They don't know who he is or what he can do. They just know he's there, and he's attending to her. And he did that, and then they shoved him down the hallway. Wow. Keep an eye on that one, man. We're getting closer and closer to number one. This guy, Robin Trifecta, his top three of the day. Two. Uh, NBA star Steph Curry. He's a big lefty, uh, uh, but he doesn't want low-income housing near his house. Yeah, he's a, he's a not-in-my-backyard kind of guy. The city wanted to put a thirty or a million-dollar subdivision for the uh, less fortunate near his neighborhood. Steph has stompy foot now. Oh, no. He petitioned local government to build fencing and shrubbery around their home to protect the family. So we've got to block this. This neighborhood is going to go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> well, yeah, because of things. You, th- see, this is what we talk about all the time. None of this matters until it comes home to them. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, well, not here. Well, it's also interesting with Steph Curry because of his Christian beliefs and yet at the same time wanting to play into the left's game and, you know, not going to the White House when Trump's president, that sort of thing, but you'll go when it's Biden. Right. That's, yeah. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah this, this would but be this a tough is a Martha's for him. Vineyard Martin. type story, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's, dude. All these people are pretty much the same. Hey, man, I spent $30 million on this crib. I don't want that. Of course not. No. And here's the thing. Most people, most people would probably feel the same way. It's like, no, it'll drag my property values down. I can't, I don't want this here. But they don't advocate for it either. If you live in a high crime area and you have the means to get out. You get out. (laughs) Yeah. And you get out for, you don't want it coming back to you. No, you don't. It's like, I fought like hell to get here. I'm not doing this. Yes. Now, on with the countdown. Scott Robbins trifecta, top three of the day. And finally, yes. one. Uh, number one, there's a new Super Bowl ad featuring uh, Sarah McLaughlin. <sighs> yeah, Bush Light released their Super Bowl ad two weeks early. Sarah McLaughlin uh, spoofing those commercials she used to do for pet adoptions. Remember those awful things? Oof. Well, man, it was tough to watch. They're incredibly yes. hard to watch. But I've not heard the ad yet, so you're going to play it for me, I guess. Yes, 
I think it's surprising everyone, she has a sense of humor and can laugh at herself. Yeah. Three things are required in the great outdoors. Food, drink, and shelter. Hello, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. For just dollars a day, you can help helpless animals find shelter. Bush. Wrong shelter, Sarah. Also, that's a wolf. <laughs> Head for the mountains. It's kind of a visual. <laughs> yeah, it's not a dog, it's a wolf. And then she's uh, very concerned. Uh, Different shelter because she's out a teepee. <laughs> the thing you never thought you would hear. Sarah McLaughlin in a Bush Light ad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got that right. Holy cow. Um, I'm a little stunned at that, but okay. Yes. A little bit different. You know, I don't think Sarah's exactly, you know, raking in the dough these days. So, hey, maybe that's beneficial, right? Why not? Could be. And there you have it. You know what? I got something for you. If you want to hear the game, uh, who's the intolerant jerk? Have you heard of this game? No. David, you heard of it? Um, is this the Reddit thing? The am I the bleep hole? That's where it comes from, yes. Yeah. Where I saw the headline. I think it was at Real Clear. And it was a Newsweek piece from Lee Habib. And so, again, the headline is, Who's the Intolerant Jerk? It's a game anyone can play. So he mentions the Am I the Bleephole AITA game, and there's three things he says that makes it so popular. It's anonymous, it's simple, and perhaps most important, everyone knows, and, you know, a hole or two. <laughs> um, but few people actually believe they are the... Oh, I was just going to say that, know. yeah. Yes. Yeah, everybody but me, right? Yeah. Yes. So not long after this person learned about it, he invented a game called Who's the Intolerant Jerk? Because I couldn't help think of a better way to weigh in on the rampant cancel culture and intolerance infecting ordinary life in the small town in which I live, which is Oxford, Mississippi. Been there before. Spent a little time there. Nice town. Said it is filled with young people and a large progressive liberal arts crowd who demand increasing levels of tolerance of their worldview while offering less and less of it to those whom they disagree. Right. So he creates scenarios and asks people to identify the intolerant jerk. Oh, okay. Okay? Yeah. And he says it's fun with young adults. It's also fun to do with grown-ups who have strong opinions about things and who may have a heavy dose of self-righteousness. said, here's a hypothetical scenario. Young Jewish couple walks into the only mosque in town and asks to see the imam. After some simple greetings, the imam asks for the purpose of their visit. He said, we love your mosque and we want to get married here. That's what the, you, the young Jewish man says. The imam replies, I'm touched that you find our mosque attractive and I respect your faith tradition, but we only marry Muslims in our mosque. The Jewish couple doesn't like the answer and asks the imam to reconsider. The imam says no again, and the couple storms out, calling the imam a bigot and threatening to sue for religious discrimination. In this hypothetical scenario, who's the intolerant jerk? <laughs> in my mind? Yes. The people who asked to be married in a, and knowing full well they weren't going to be. Right, but they thought they should. Well, I don't care what you think you should. You're not allowed. It's not allowed under this religion. No. Right. There's like only a thousand other places you can get married at. Yeah. Do you want another scenario? Yeah. Do you, David? Sure. Okay. A wealthy Catholic couple that owns a big business in town enters the gallery of a gay artist with a talent for painting large murals. We admire your work, and we're wondering if you'd paint a replica of the Sistine Chapel on the ceiling of our doomed office, or domed office. It's not doomed. Doomed. <laughs> That's my office. That's right. That's what the Catholic woman says. 
We know it would take a long time, and money is no object. The young gay artist replies, Thanks for the offer, but I'm not Catholic. Don't care for your church's stance on gay marriage or abortion. Don't believe in God and don't like capitalism. The Catholic couple, thinking the artist is negotiating for a higher price, presses on. But the artist won't budge, telling the couple there's no amount of money he'll accept to paint their mural. The couple storm out of the gallery, threatening to sue the gay artist for discrimination, calling him an anti-Catholic bigot on the way out. In this hypothetical scenario, who's the intolerant jerk? The couple. Yes. Yeah. You got a thousand, again, a thousand places to go. Yes. If a guy's doing a replica of some piece of art, yes. Yes. Um, you want one more or are you done? No, no. I want oh, sure. I want one more. All I right. want at least three. Yeah. The trifecta then. Um, see, a student in the local college transitions from female to male and asks an old friend who is an evangelical Christian to start using the pronoun he instead of she going forward. It would mean a lot to me, the transgender student says. I love and respect you, the young Christian friend replied, but you're asking me to say something that's not in keeping with my beliefs. I really need to think about what you've asked. Seeing that his transgender friend was not pleased with the answer, the young Christian presses on. Look, you know I get my identity through Jesus Christ, and he animates every part of my life. How would you feel if I asked you to say the words, Jesus died for our sins every time we spoke, or say the Lord's Prayer every time we ate together? I've never asked you to do anything like that because I know you think my belief in Jesus is strange and even a bit crazy, and I'm not offended. The friend wasn't finished. Coerce you into saying something you don't believe is actually the opposite of love, the opposite of tolerance. Might you consider offering me that same grace? I never thought about it that way before, the friend replied. I need some time to think about this, too. How about lunch? Who's the intolerant jerk? Oh, are they both wow. agreeing to think about it for a while? Yes. Then neither. Correct. Oh, good one. <laughs> I'm still trying to pick winners and losers here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Did you see the flop sweat? Robin's right now. He's like, oh, good What's the right answer? I thought I missed something there. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like they're going to try to make a decision. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes friendships don't work out. And they don't. if they can't reconcile those differences, it doesn't have to be, you know, a go away mad situation. It can just be a, well, you know, we're just on different paths now. Right. Like I need a wet compress on my head now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a cool game, though. It is a cool game. I like it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, another edition of Who's the A-Hole? <laughs> <laughs> okay. we got to get to another news update. And, of course, Nimrod's in the news straight ahead. Right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update. David Van Camp. <laughs> just, just came across my desk that there are pre-sale uh, or there's a pre-sale for tickets to go see Bernie Sanders live in concert at a oh music my. venue called The Anthem in Washington, D.C. The, the, it's a one-night-only kind of thing. Uh, it's called It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. <laughs> And right now, the pre-sale price is between 35 bucks and 95 bucks 
a seat. <laughs> Gosh, dang. And that it's being sold. Sense. <laughs> it's being sold on Ticketmaster, which is like one of the biggest monopolies on the planet. Well, some would say rigged. Yes. <laughs> Bernie <laughs> Sanders. Live in concert. What a snooze fest. With special guest Tesla. (laughs) Don't ever put Tesla along with Bernie Sanders. Ever. Please. Right. Goodness gracious. So, capitalists, but you got to pay me. I'm going to make some money off of this. Of course, it's going to go to a great cause. One of my homes. Yes. Yes. Boo! Yeah, boo you. Has that... I I feel like the shine is kind of off of Bernie now. Yeah, it's gone. It's 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 gone. I think enough people have realized what a fraud he really is and has been for the last several years. Plus the fact he can't corner the market on a radical nut job anymore. Right. No, he can't. Yeah, he He's looks moderate compared yeah. to some of the people yeah. that that love him. That's a great point. Wow. Okay. You guys ready? You know what? I, I'm not gonna com- I'm not gonna put this woman in Nimrods. We'll go ahead and do this now before I get to the Nimrod. Did anybody hear this woman's ghosting exit survey she sent to a guy that ghosted her? No. I'm not going to tell you who it is. She's a comedian. You've probably never heard of her, but tell me what you think of this. I recently got ghosted by a guy who I didn't even like, and I emailed him this ghosting exit survey to fill out. So the first question is, please provide a one-to-two-sentence example of why you did it. You were intimidated by my beauty. You hate yourself. You're broken. I'm too good for you. Like, whatever comes to mind. Please circle if I am more cute, hot, sexy, or pretty. And just know, just as a rule, you have to circle all four. Please. But you'd be lying. Anyway, go ahead. Please provide the names, emails, and phone numbers of at least two of your exes and your birth mother. And that's just like, so I can start a group chat. And lastly, please select one form of compensation for me. So you could opt for something simple like sending me your passwords for various streaming services and your social security number. And last but certainly not least, um, making me your muse and dedicating your life to winning me back. Okay. Uh, Funny or nauseating? Nauseating. She should smile more. All right. Very good, then. Let's get to Nimrods. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. 66-year-old Vera Liddell, food service director at an impoverished south suburban school in Illinois, arrested for stealing $1.5 million worth of chicken wings. During the pandemic, she started over-ordering chicken, picked it it up herself, and then she just kept ordering it. $1.5 million. million. That's Nimrod's in the news.